Good Morning Pensacola, Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. of catch and release. So when people approach the border and say they want to enter our country to seek asylum, they will go into one of two situations. First, short-term detention, which means we take them into custody and we actually do an interview right then and there to determine if they meet the standard for asylum. For individuals who do not meet that standard, which by the way, Margaret, is most of the migrants who are coming mm -hmm. to our country right now, they'll be swiftly returned to their home country. A rare, what uh, actually what Face the Nation said was her first ever appearance on a Sunday show. I thought that was an odd thing. I don't know that it's true or false. That is amazing. Uh, independent senator from the great state of Arizona. I used to live there. Uh, Kirsten Cinema talking on Face the Nation yesterday about this border deal that doesn't matter. And that's the only way I can describe it. It's a very interesting compromise. We'll talk about the deal itself and then why it doesn't matter. I'll explain in just a minute. But it looks like this is not going to matter for anything whatsoever. But it has been the news over the last couple of days as this group of this bipartisan group of senators were kind of pre-announcing the deal and they actually uh, released it yesterday. What were the provisions of the bill? Well, as you heard her saying, uh, the idea is that everybody claiming asylum, if they were kind of a solo flyer, they would go into detention in order to evaluate whether they qualified or not, which you would think in a sane world, that would be the first thing you'd do. Oh, you want to come into Castle? Okay, uh, let's talk about why. Oh, you just like it on the inside? Nah, we got a process for that. Oh, you're running away from the Black Knight? Okay, tell me more. You got pictures? No, oh, you got pictures? All right, come on in. You know? No, you don't have the pictures? Oh, well, tell me more about how this Black Knight's persecuting you. No, you don't have any Credible story? Okay, no, you stay outside. You go back to other castle land. I don't know, for the metaphor. But, you know, that is the way it should function, and that's what she's saying would be the process for people who can be held in or can be brought into that detention kind of concept, but not everybody can do that. And for folks that we can't detain, like families, for instance, we'll ensure that we're supervising them over the course of just three months and conduct that interview with that new higher standard requiring them to show more proof early on about whether or not they qualify for asylum and return them to their country if they do not have the evidence or the proof that they qualify for asylum. So the key point she's emphasizing there is that if they don't qualify, they go back. Now, granted, you would think that if you're some kind of a human trafficker, cartel member, smuggler, nefarious person, you would still try to take advantage of this system the way you take advantage of the current system, and you would still try to, you know, you would not fly solo flyers you would bring kids and bring a woman and try to pretend that you're a family and oh the u.s doesn't have the ability to detain me for the interview okay fine we'll you know go elsewhere i mean sure that's a flaw in the system 
if it were ever to become law, which it's not. But if it were, that's a flaw. But what's the alternative? It's not like we have a bunch of hotels at the border we can throw families into. We do have the ability to detain individuals or at least interview individuals. And, you know, I, I don't know. It sounded to me from the presentation that they were giving yesterday and from, you know, the reporting on the bill itself that it seemed it seemed like an improvement over the status quo. So we'll no longer have people just entering the country and maybe going to court in the next seven or 10 years. Mm -hmm. Instead, we'll make swift justice. Folks who do qualify for asylum will be on a rapid path, six months or less, to start a new life in America. And those who do not qualify will quickly be returned to their home countries. Which should be how it is now, but isn't. And the idea of years and years of uncertain maybe well, you know, again, that struck me as an improvement over the current system. And instead of just generally allowing the administration to shut the border, which apparently now, you know, Biden is the old Trump, right? New Biden is the old Trump, that he's going to shut down the border because he realizes it's a crazy crisis in an election year. Uh <laughs> Come on, you know, obviously. But he's, you know, the bill doesn't just say you can, it says you must. We're now mandating that the government actually shut down the border if those numbers get to 5,000 a day. Mm -hmm. But we're permitting the government to actually shut down the border when it only gets to 4,000 approaches a day. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to be able to shut down the system when it gets overloaded. So we have enough time to process those asylum claims, whether it's through detention or whether it's through supervision, like for families. So at $4,000 a day, seven-day average, that's the way that number gets calculated, you may shut down the border. That's asylum claims at uh, among illegal immigrants. So you apprehend 4,000 people claiming asylum. Uh, okay, you can't shut, shut it down. If it's 5,000, you have to shut it down. Now, they can still go through normal checkpoints. It doesn't count against that system. But the idea is the bigger the wave, the more you can shut it down and then deport is the idea if they don't meet the standard for asylum. That's at least the goal. I, this seemed to me like a compromise that was worth pursuing, just on the broad brushes. It also included, of course, and this is the reason that the Senate was doing this, is it included aid to Israel and aid to Ukraine. Because that's been the other sticking point, right? We're not, you know, the Republicans have been unwilling to give aid to Ukraine because they say if we're going to help somebody else's foreign security, we've got to help our foreign security, which is secure the border. Okay, again, all good. The reason I said at the beginning that this isn't going to happen is because the Speaker of the House, and we knew this was likely to happen, but now we have it for sure, is that, um, I don't know, on, on the platform, on Twitter, on X, on I don't care, um, Speaker Johnson says, I've seen enough. This bill is even worse than we expected and won't come close to ending the border catastrophe the president has created. As the lead Democrat negotiator proclaimed under this legislation, the border never closes. If this bill reaches the House, it will be dead on arrival. That's weird because I did the math, you know. And we were talking about, what, 300,000 people in December. Divided by 30 is 10,000 a day. I, You know, they're not 100% asylum seeker claims, but even if half of them are, which is what they're trying to do most of the time. It seemed like that actually would make a difference, but okay. Speaker Johnson says, you know, hell no, we won't go. Uh, Steve Scalise, let me be clear, the Senate border bill will not receive a vote in the House. Here's the people pushing this deal and aren't telling you it accepts 5,000 illegal immigrants a day and gives automatic work permits to asylum recipients a magnet for more illegal immigration. So it's not going to the House. Why not? Well, either because of the facts as, you know, Scalise and uh, uh, Johnson say, or 
because as the reporting has been for weeks now, the likely presidential nominee for the GOP, former President Trump, doesn't want Biden to be able to claim a victory on the border in an election year. And so he's telling all the Republicans who will listen, that's all the Republicans, uh, most of the Republicans, that, you know, you better not vote for this bill or else you don't want to be up against me when I'm the president, which is what most Republicans fear most. <laughs> you know, they, they fear most their private messages will get out and they fear the president, right, getting reelected and then them being on the wrong side of him. So the Republicans, at least led by Trump, want to keep the issue and they don't want to have anybody being able to claim that there was any kind of improvement in the problem in an election year. Now, I find that way of politics, uh, what's the word I want, disgusting. We're not going to solve a problem even somewhat. We're not going to solve a problem even somewhat because we'd rather have the issue so that we can get reelected. You know, we've got, I don't know, it'd be like if um, if it came out that somebody who was a gun control advocate said, uh, you know, I've I've got the ability to put a bill together that would actually reduce gun deaths. No, 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 no. We need to have a lot of gun deaths so that we can keep pushing these these gun control bills in election year. But, what? <laughs> I mean, that's disgusting, right? So the idea that we can't have any progress on an issue because it's an election year, we've got to keep the issue alive. I mean, what's a better word for it than disgusting? That's disgusting, right? Now, does that mean the bill's good? No. Could the bill still be flawed? Yeah. But say that. Don't say, I mean, which they're not going to, you know, come out and be like, well, I would vote for it. It's a real good bill, except, you know, Trump told me not to. <laughs> so... You decide. I just think it seemed like an improvement to me. And in an environment with a 50, you know, almost dead, well, dead even split in the Senate, you know, and of course you have Kamala Harris breaking the ties. Um, why wouldn't you do something if you can? Are we just forced to wait another calendar year? Because it'll be January before the next president's in place. Are we forced to wait another calendar year to do anything? I mean, what's the worst that happened? They pass it and nothing changes because it doesn't ever come into effect, as Steve Scalise says. Okay, so nothing changed. We have an election. Biden gets out of his basement once in a while and says, you know, hey, uh, this bill, we did something. And everybody's like, yeah, but it didn't work. Okay, so he still loses. Or it works. And we have improvement. And, and then the president can say, in a divided Congress, we found something that Made some improvement. Why did it wait till my fourth year? Well, we could talk about that. But, you know, why did it wait for us threatening to impeach my Department of Homeland Security director? I mean, you know, secretary, I mean, you know, okay, we could talk about that. But I don't know. I just, it's pretty upsetting to think about a major political issue being preferred as an issue rather than being something that people are willing to make some progress on in a divided government just because it's an election year. But hey, welcome to America 2024. 521 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pence Gold of Morning News. Hey, good to be back. I uh, appreciate Bobby Rossi filling in for me all last week. Jake, good to see you again. And, uh, and Great. Good Good to be seen. And, and by the way, I, I, I hate to ask you this question on the air, but are we are we explaining why Steve is here for David? Have we? Uh, uh, have I, I haven't heard. We uh, have. It's okay. I think it's I okay. I need to be careful with all kinds da of stuff David's like a, that. David's a daddy. That's awesome. David's a daddy. So, uh, you know, he put it on social media. <laughs> 
So congratulations to new dad and Steve. Uh, Steve Taylor is sitting in this, uh, you know, for a little while. I don't know when he's going to be back, but uh, it'll be a little while. It won't be just today, right? Two weeks is that what you said? Okay, Steve's giving me the two week sign, or he's uh, all in favor of peace. <laughs> Is that what that is? I'm not no, sure which it is. Two weeks. Because uh, Steve is an old yeah. school hippie newsman. I mean, you know, Far you got out. Yeah, yeah, right. You got, you know, when when they get when they do like 70s day at the station, Steve's just like every day. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So congratulations to new dad David. Oh, yeah. Five twenty two on News Radio ninety two three. I'm Andrew McKay. I feel occasional burning and stabbing in my hands as I age. I sometimes feel numbness and tingling in my feet as I get older. It's starting to get in the way of doing what I love. At Nervive, we hear you and we can help. Nervive's clinically studied dose of alpha-lipoic acid reduces occasional nerve discomfort in as little as seven days with continued daily use. Now that I know, I'm taking control. Try Nervive Nerve Relief and say yes to healthy nerves. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, Joe Montana here. Back in my football days, I knew the importance of a strong defense. Now I'm sharing how you can help defend your health against pneumococcal pneumonia, a bacterial lung disease that can be life-threatening. If you're 65 or older or 19 or older with certain chronic conditions like diabetes or asthma, you're at increased risk. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist about vaccination and learn more at knownemonia.com. That's K-N-O-W pneumonia.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. The Port of Pensacola is more than just a name. It's a powerhouse of economic opportunities, a strategic location that sparks growth and prosperity, contributing significantly to the local and regional economy with 23 incredible businesses that call this port home. Big names like CMEX Materials, GE Wind Energy, and soon the prestigious American Magic Sailing Team. Since 1754, the Port of Pensacola has been the driving force behind Northwest Florida's economic success. Explore more at portofpensacola.com. Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay. Mornings before Pep Talk on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Good morning, 524 News Radio 92.3. Taylor Swift is the queen of the world. I mean, what else can you say? Uh, fourth album as album of the year. It's never happened before. I really, you know, Trevor Noah was terrible. I mean, not not terrible like he told bad jokes. He didn't tell jokes. I watched the beginning of the Grammys last night waiting for the jokes because that's the only part of the And then I fast forward through the whole thing and I'm like, performance? No, performance? No, performance? You know, I don't care. Um, but I'm hoping for jokes. Give me jokes. That's why we have a comedian up there. And there there weren't none. I mean, the closest one was the goofy, like, hey, I'm going to put the camera on Terry Crews every time they mention Taylor Swift as an alternative to you. I mean, what? Okay, fine. <laughs> Just whatever. But no jokes. I thought, mm, boring. So, um, but I appreciated that in the intro, he mentioned that Taylor Swift was up for her fourth album of the year award which nobody has ever won before. You had Frank Sinatra and then Paul Simon and uh, Stevie Wonder have gotten it three times, and Taylor had gotten it three times. And uh, then in the the moment of 
what I think you had to figure was a moment of certainty <laughs> just because Celine Dion doesn't show up for anything because, you know, she's had a lot of ser- very serious health issues. And Celine Dion shows up to give the award, and you're like, okay, I figure what's going to happen here. And the Grammy goes to... And then there was a lot of delay. Taylor Swift. First time ever. And then she announces a new album. And by the way, let me just say this. I thought her speech... I, I don't really... I, I listened to it because it was historical. and Or historic, excuse me. Historical means it would be about history. Historic means that it would be un- special. Uh, anyway, she. Uh, I thought her, her comment was great. I loved her comment. Um, I would love to tell you that this is the best moment of my life, but I, I feel this happy when I finish a song or when I crack the code to a bridge that I love or when I'm shot listing a music video or when I'm rehearsing with my dancers or my band or getting ready to go to Tokyo to play a show. For me, the, the award is the work. All I want to do is keep being able to do this. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. It makes me unbelievably blown away that it makes some people happy who voted for this award too. All I want to do is keep doing this. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do what I love so much. Mind blown. Thank you so much. God, I love that. It's, and it's really, I don't, I don't know how for whom it is true that same way. I know for me it's the same way. Like, I love doing this show. I love prepping for it. I love thinking about what we're going to talk about on the air. I love the idea that you think it's worth listening to, that you tell me how much you enjoy it when we meet out in public or whatever. I mean, all of that stuff is, that's the fun. And then every once in a while we get awards for it. I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) I don't know. Awkward. You know, that's I feel the same exact way. I mean, and I'm not trying to compare myself to Taylor. I'm just saying I get what she's talking about. That the job is what's fun, you know? The doing of it is the fun. And uh, so, you know, I just, I don't know, I, I love that sentiment, and I certainly agree with it, and I'm glad that she feels that way, too. And it's probably why she's so amazing as an artist is because she feels that way. 527 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Ben Scola Morning News. We've got Steve sitting in for David uh, for a couple of weeks. Uh, Steve, what's going on in the newsroom, sir? Well, a long-awaited bipartisan deal to secure the U.S.-Mexico border and provide aid to Ukraine's finally been unveiled. The full bill totals under 100, uh, $120 billion with a B and roughly $20 billion going towards the border. Provides aid to Israel and Ukraine as well as other foreign policy priorities. In the deal, asylum screenings would be raised and the practice known as catch and release done away with. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he would be bringing it to the floor this week. California Governor Gavin Newsom says a state of emergency is now in place there for eight counties in Southern California. Basically, the high winds and heavy rains been pounding that region, a lot of people without power. The move also, also authorizes the National Guard there to respond if necessary. As the saying goes, crime doesn't pay, and it certainly was for the case for a Georgia man who tried to use a stolen credit card to pay his probation fees. A 20-year-old... <laughs> <laughs> Dukula Mann was arrested and charged with two offenses for making what some may consider the wrong decision. You see, he used a credit card he allegedly stole from a vehicle he broke into last month to make an online payment to a probation case management company. And according to investigators, he used that credit card at a local gas station and a restaurant. And after being served a search warrant at his residence last week, he was booked into the Gwinnett County Jail. He may be facing more charges in addition to entering a motor vehicle and a financial transaction card fraud. If if only I mean, and I know this would have been, I guess, online, but if only he could have shown up in the car he stole. Yeah. <laughs> like how many more 
pieces Stupid of decision. evidence can you use against yourself in a cri- in a criminal case? That's amazing. Uh, on probation, that's right. <laughs> hilarious. Just well done, sir. Thank you. Darwin Award is. I mean, he's not dead, but you know. It's in that category, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for the update. 529 on News Radio 92.3. Oh, uh, by the way, President Biden is going to skip the Super Bowl. He's not going to do a Super Bowl interview. You know how a lot of times they do interviews, and he hasn't done it for two years. It's a longstanding tradition for the president to do some kind of thing. Uh, why do you think? Well, probably because his handlers know that putting him in an interview scenario is not great for their brand. Um, or it could be because we all know the fix is in for the Kansas City Chiefs and that Taylor Swift is going to come down on the field and kiss her baby and, and say she's endorsing... I mean, come, stop it. Stop it. You know, you people ruin everything. Because now, if you watch the Super Bowl, half of what people are going to be thinking about is this stupid conspiracy theory, and then if the Chiefs win, it tarnishes it, and if they don't win... I guess you'll apologize. Fox News, I'm C.J. Papa. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill reading the text behind the massive $118 billion bipartisan bill that some senators believe will fix the crisis at the southern border. This bill is only hours old, but it's already facing backlash from the right and the left. Among the highlights, mandatory shutdown of the border if the daily average for migrant encounters reaches 5,000 over a seven-day period. The bill also provides $650 million to build and reinforce miles and miles of new border walls. That's Fox's Madeline Rivera reporting. Latunia Canyon, one area under a mandatory evacuation order in Los Angeles because of heavy drenching rains and flooding, but this man is staying put. They said that, you know, if you leave, we're there and they're not going to let you back in. And so uh, we just decided we'd stick around. This is the second more powerful atmospheric river. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 531, 49 degrees and cloudy in Pensacola. I'm Steve Taylor for David Wayne on News Radio Pensacola. A grieving family who discovered the remains of a missing loved one last month has made another discovery related to the case. A 25-year-old man found in Baghdad in early January was identified this week as Cameron Bellinger. The Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office confirmed on Friday that the victim's personal items were discovered by family members just steps from where his body was found three weeks ago. Cameron's Aunt Darlene told Channel 3 news. We found the shovel still there and we found a pair of shorts with the phone still in the pocket and and a wallet and some cash just neatly placed in a little pile 32 yards away from where the remains had been but you can tell it's been there a long time because it's kind of permeated into the ground and wet and got that green fungus growing on it. The Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office arrived on scene on Friday after Darlene made contact about those belongings. The Sheriff's Office says the investigation is ongoing. A Pensacola man is facing several charges after deputies were led on a chase in Escambia County yesterday afternoon. 26-year-old Daryl Deshaun Roman is charged with aggravated battery on a law enforcement officer, aggravated assault on a law enforcement officer, aggravated fleeing and eluding, resisting arrest with violence, possession of drug paraphernalia, and 
possession of narcotics. According to the sheriff's office, deputies observed a vehicle that failed to stop earlier in the week pull into the Family Dollar on New Warrington Road and Chief's Way. Deputies say they saw Roman get out of the vehicle smoking marijuana. And when Roman was confronted, he shoved the deputy, attempting to handcuff him, jumped into his vehicle, and smashed into a patrol car. Then a short pursuit began that ended on Mobile Highway. Deputies say Roman then jumped out of the vehicle and ran, throwing a book bag containing the narcotics. Deputies quickly captured him and took him to the Escambia County Jail. They say the Roman also had an active battery domestic violence warrant. Florida gas prices are moving lower again after jumping 12 cents last week. Rising crude oil and gasoline future prices contributed to last week's increase, which sent the state average to a three-month high of 3.27 a gallon. That was Thursday. Sunday state average was 3.23 a gallon and falling. The most expensive markets are West Palm Beach, Boca Raton, and Naples around 3.30 a gallon. The least expensive in the Panhandle, uh, Panama City at 2.94, Chris Drew, Fort Walton beach at 296 and pensacola about three bucks a gallon let's check that forecast it looks like we're looking for cloudy skies early then partly cloudy this afternoon a slight chance of a rain shower today high about 59 some clouds this evening will give away to mainly clear skies overnight low about 46 degrees right now 49 in pensacola 46 in gulf breeze and 46 in milton at 535 the next news is six breaking news anytime i'm steve taylor from news radio pensacola informative local dependable are you hungry for news that keeps you informed, is local and dependable? Look no further than News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and on AM 1620. We're your trusted source for all the latest happenings in the Emerald Coast. From breaking news to in-depth reports, we've got you covered. Our team of experienced journalists brings you the stories that matter most to our community. Stay connected with local events, weather updates, and traffic reports, ensuring you're always one step ahead. We're News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable. When you were 18, you spent your spring break in Cancun. The party was legendary, and you speak of it often, even though you don't remember half of it. The geeky kid who sat across from you in math class stayed home, practicing calculus. You made fun of her. A lot. That is, until last year, when you owed the IRS a lot of money and called the certified public accountants at Benakis & Associates. And she answered the phone. Who's laughing now? The number crunchers at Benakis & Associates live and breathe accounting and tax preparation. It's practically in their DNA. When you need to know what the heck a Form 656-PPV is, call Benakis & Associates. When you need a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, call Benakis & Associates. When you need someone who practices long division for fun, call Benakis & Associates. Now in the historic district on 120 South Alconies and online at flacpas.com. Benakis & Associates. Leave the numbers to the experts. The cooler weather in Pensacola is a great time of the year for gardening. Whether it's planting roses, planting shrubs and trees and cool weather color, and of course, planning for spring. This is Mike Wiggins. If you've got gardening questions, we've got answers on the News Radio Garden Line every Tuesday morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. And if you miss us on Tuesdays, then catch the Encore Edition every Saturday morning at 9. Sponsored by Pensacola Hardware, Blue Sky Landscaping at Barnes Feed Store. Serving overseas was just the beginning. We might be home from war, but our mission continues in communities all across the country. It's why we're out there in times of peace and crisis, providing meals to the hungry and supplies to the sick. It's why we're giving strength to those who are too weak and bringing resources to those without them. Service doesn't stop when we're done serving. It's what makes us the VFW. Learn more at vfw.org. 
Guy Benson, keeping you informed of the news every day at 2, right after Mark New Van Camp and Robbins on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Bill 1223 is a minimum age of firearms purchase or transfer. An act relating to minimum age for purchase or transfer and shifts the age of the person who can legally purchase firearm from 21 to 18. And again, this is for uh, long guns only, and that's the bill here. Good afternoon. I am Juliana Tripodi, and I'm the president and founder of Leon High School's chapter of Students Demand Action. To reverse the policies enacted in response to the tragic 2018 Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School shooting, is to invalidate the lives lost of this horrific event. It's only been six years. We cannot progress backwards. School shooters especially fall on the age range that we are talking about. Some of the most notable and deadly school shootings were committed by young adults, like the ones at Sandy Hook and Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. This is terrifying to me and students all over the country. So this is a bill that I will tell you in advance is, is not going to happen. Okay, so... Don't get too worked up about it one way or the other, because we did this last year where the House pushes the bill to undo one of the four key provisions of the post-Parkland bill that would allow anybody 18, 19, or 20, I mean, not anybody, but, you know, non-felons, uh, right, people without red flags, whatever, uh, would still be, pass the background check, would be allowed to buy a gun at a gun store, okay, a long gun, shotgun, and rifle, or a rifle, not a handgun. That's a federal ban, so we can't do anything about that. But that was one of the key provisions of the Parkland Compromise between the Republicans and the Democrats in the Senate. A, by the way, approved by, you know, a bare majority, right? Remember, that was one senator, uh, as, as I recall, because I remember thinking about how Doug Broxham was one of the key votes to make that thing happen. That was a difficult compromise because what, what Democrats wanted to do was basically ban all the guns. What Republicans wanted to do was just shore up school safety and, you know, get your guardians, that kind of stuff. So, you know, we did a compromise. And part of that compromise provided an awful lot of better school safety things that we all believe in. And part of that compromise, I think, unfortunately, because I think it is unconstitutional, pushed the purchase age for all guns up to 21. So that it's not just handguns, but it's everything. And you've got this bill being run now by uh, Bobby Payne that wants to reduce from 21 to 18 the age to buy just the long guns again. And as Juliana uh, Tripodi, one of the speakers there, says... Look, um, you know, the evil madman who shot up Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, uh, he was under 21, and this bill, had it been a law, would have prevented him. And look, it's hard to argue with that. I don't mean that they're right. I just mean it's unlike a lot of other cases where we pass a law after the fact that even if it had been in place before the fact wouldn't have had any impact on the outcome, right? You know, like, well, he bought the gun legally, and so that's the problem, okay? This would actually have mattered in that case, theoretically, okay? It's not that he couldn't have gotten a gun some other I'm just, you know, theoretically, this would actually change that event. 
And so you have less of a leg to stand on when you oppose it. And oppose it, I do. Okay, I do believe that 18, 19, and 20 year olds, I think 18, 19, and 20-year-olds ought to be allowed to buy a handgun. I mean, a shotgun is fine for home defense, but, you know, I, I think they ought to be allowed to own a handgun because, again, my view is that a 19-year-old woman living on her own and working left her parents' house and she's got an abusive boyfriend. I want her to have a gun. That's how she stays safe. And I don't want the state having to tell her, no, when you're 21, sweetie, that's when we can trust you with a gun as a constitutional right. So that's my view. And it was interesting because in the conversation about this, Chris Smith, the Gulf Coast gun shows up. Uh, and, you know, we don't always get locals go to Tallahassee. And it's only three hours away. It's not like Miami where it's, what is Miami from Tallahassee? Like eight hours, seven hours, something like that. I always respect the people who go from Miami just because they've gone so far. I mean, that's a long way to go. We think it's a long way for three hours. It's, I mean, three hours is relatively close. Anyway, so Christmas shows up to talk about the bill. Uh, yes, I own a, uh, a local gun store, Gulf Coast Gun and Outdoors in Milton, Florida. Uh, in 2020, I had a young 19-year-old uh, girl come into my store, scared to death when COVID was going on. Um, her husband had been deployed overseas uh, in the military, and she could not buy a shotgun to protect her family with when she was scared to death. And this is one of those kind of like ideal case scenarios, right? Her husband's in the military, gets deployed, and she can't buy a gun to protect her family while he's away. Well, well, why doesn't he buy her a gun before? Okay. I understand what you're saying, but you get that she shouldn't have to depend on the kindness of her husband. And he's probably under 21 himself. I'm guessing. Or maybe he would have. You, you know, like... Just shush. <laughs> I mean, this is somebody who should be entitled to own a gun to protect her and her family. There's no other constitutional right that we have raised the age to 21. Uh, alcohol is not a constitutional right. Um, the Second Amendment is in the Constitution of the United States. And the fact that we don't allow 18-year-olds to have their constitutional right, yet we allow them to vote in our elections, is kind of absurd. It- it is a really weird situation, right? Because literally you could be a representative in Tallahassee and you could not be allowed to purchase a gun, but you could be voting on whether you should be allowed to purchase a gun. It's weird. Much like, to be honest, sort of philosophically, it's weird to have the alcohol age be 21. Because again, 19-year-olds... Are full citizens, they can vote, but they can't drink. They So they can vote in a vote that decides that they can't do a thing that everybody else overrules. It's, it's just weird. I mean, it's very weird. And also, I agree with him that, you know, typically constitutional rights don't come with uh, something other than an 18-year-old limit. Uh, I mean, in fact, a lot of constitutional rights come without age limits. You know, free speech is... Sort of, there's no age involved in that. There might be limits based on parental authority, but you know, it doesn't come with an age. And for those who say, and by the way, I'm sympathetic to the claims that people make that the 18, 19, and 20 year old doesn't have the fully developed brain in order to make these good decisions. You know, that they're emotional, they're immature, they make bad choices. Uh, agreed, agreed. Um, but if that's true, and maybe it is, then. Why do we let 16-year-olds drive? Why do we let 19-year-olds drive? 
You, know, you typically can't rent a car until you're 25, for goodness sakes. So, you know, maybe we shouldn't let anybody drive until... Because, you know, cars do kill a lot of people. And we all know that the most dangerous drivers on the road are not the old people, although they are somewhat dangerous, very old people. Uh, and, and, you know, drunk people are dangerous, okay, but we have laws about that. Uh, but young people are the most dangerous. You know, we didn't let our kids drive. I mean, we have a 19-year-old who just got his license last year, and I'm just teaching my 17-year-old now. I mean, they didn't want it either, so I'm not sure what our conversation would have gone like, but I certainly recognize that, you know, teenage boys are, I mean, I was one once, <laughs> you know, and teenage boys are terrible drivers, just like teenage girls are terrible drivers. Um, make bad choices, don't multitask well, you have to have special rules in place so that they don't, you know, get distracted. I mean, all of this, okay? Why does a 19-year-old, you know, need a gun? Well, because, again, people have a right to self-defense and they have a right to, at least theoretically under the Second Amendment, contribute to the protection of our country against a domestic or a foreign invasion, right? Because that's kind of what the Second Amendment is there for. You don't have to wait to be 21 in order to get that ability. So I agree. There's validity to the arguments, but that pesky Constitution, you know? And... You can't overrule what the Constitution says about a right simply because you don't think that 19-year-olds can be trusted with a firearm. That's a policy decision, and the Constitution creates a framework within which you make policy decisions. So we can have a conversation about whether we should allow 19- and 20-year-olds to buy a gun, but amend the Constitution first. That's the way this is supposed to work. Actually, the uh, the law currently on the books allows 18 to 20 year olds to own long guns, but it does not allow them to purchase them from dealers so they can actually go out and buy them without a background check perfectly legally. Would you rather them have a background check and purchase these firearms from a dealer like me or would you rather them go out and purchase one from someone on the street? Which is kind of an interesting argument, right? He's saying, hey, at least if they come to me, they get a background check. Wouldn't you rather have that? Yeah, which it's kind of hard to argue against that. Uh, Jerry Cooey, another local, shows up in Tallahassee. No problem. Uh, thank you for your time. Oh, this is kind of funny because they, they don't know any of these folks, you know, so they don't know the name, pronunciation, spelling, all that. Jerry Gomez <laughs> Cooey. Sorry about that. No you problem. Uh, thank you for your time. Um, <clears throat> I ask, I ask you this question. A 16-year-old, we give them a driver's license and let them drive around in a 4,500-pound vehicle, and we, we don't ever talk about that. Uh, we send our children to war at the age of 18. Uh, I believe this is a constitutional right. We need to respect the Constitution, and I rise in support of this. Thank you. And, and again, House members are saying yes, uh, in spite of opposition from, for example, Michelle Rayner. Make it make sense. Like, I don't understand why we are back here again. I don't know why we are here. Um, from my understanding, I don't know if the bill is moving over in the Senate. So why are we, why is it here? And I wasn't in this legislature, but I believe you were in this legislature when we passed bills, passed a law to make sure what happened at Parkland would never happen again. And I am unclear to understand what is the compelling state interest that we are doing this. And, and the response on compelling state interests is, well, you know, honoring the Constitution is kind of our gig. <laughs> you know, that's that's the idea. But she says... I am unclear. Just like we said in H... Like I said in HB1, 
how I can look families like the Montalvos in the face and other families in the face and say, you know what, my right as an 18-year-old to have a gun means more than your child's life. I'm unclear how we are still here. Yeah, but that's the same argument you would use for cars or anything else. I mean, a, again, a 17-year-old driver, they sometimes kill other people, right? It's awful. It's horrible. But we don't raise the age to 18 or 21 or 25. Why? Because we think it's important in general. It's a counterbalance. We think there is a value overall in the aggregate to our society for allowing 16, 17-year-olds to drive. And then the question is, what is the balancing value of having guns in the hands of 18, 19, and 20-year-olds? And I say for self-defense, it's a very important thing. There's hundreds of thousands, if not millions. The numbers are hard to come by. Different people claim different amounts of crimes that get thwarted because somebody's armed. It's a basic right. Oh, and also, even if you disagree that it's a counterbalancing you know, value, well, there's that pesky constitution again. So... I'm sympathetic to what she's saying. I understand the arguments that she's giving. But, again, Constitution 1 and then practicality 2, this seems like a fairly simple thing. But I am also hearing, and this is an important thing to hear, that the Democrats, like Michelle Rayner says, if this is just a messaging bill, like to prove that Republicans are trying because it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate, she's right about that. It's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. The Senate's already said we're not interested. So we're having a fine debate in the House. The House is going to pass this bill overwhelmingly. And in the Senate, it's not even going to get taken up. And that'll be that. We'll be just back to going to the court to try to resolve this. So it is, in the end, going to be much ado about nothing, really. Except that, you know, look, the way we figure out what to do as a civilization here in Florida is we have conversations about topics that are of public importance and significance and disagreement. And so we have this conversation on this show, for example. And if you disagree with me, feel free, 437-1620, text me or call me. And uh, we have this conversation so that when you go to vote for the people that you want in office or when you lobby the people who are already in office, you have an informed opinion about where the conversation's at. And I'll tell you that if you call up the state representatives and you tell them, hey, lower the gun age, they'll be like, yep. And if you call up the state senators, they'll be like, hmm. <laughs> so who do you want to call? Not Ghostbusters. 551 on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. If you're thinking about getting that next vehicle, Frontier Motors is a great place to buy good quality used cars. About 300. I mean, you don't have to buy all of them. <laughs> you, you can just buy one. Uh, but on the lot, they've got about 300 cars, trucks, vans, SUVs, you know, sports cars, uh, just sitting there waiting for you to test drive them and like them and take them home. And one of the things I like about them is that selection because it's good quality used cars, you know, one, two, three, maybe four years old, low miles, great condition. Like that's what they're doing. They're selling almost new cars, cars that you don't have to worry about. And then you can compare them all side by side in one place and really decide which is the best for you. And maybe you decide, hey, I like this, but I wish it were in some other color. Okay, we'll go find it for you. They can do that. The point is, it's the best way to shop because they're all right there in one place. Frontier Motors serving the Pensacola community for more than 25 years, right behind the big buffalo on Beverly Parkway. Be sure to tell them Andrew McKay says hi. A-R-G-O-S, Argos, go 
I am Claire Stewart with the University of West Florida. On March 2nd, UWF and local partners will present the UWF Arbor Day Market on campus. Listen in to the Pensacola Expert Panel to find out how you can participate in our native species tree giveaways, explore the campus nature trails, and learn more about planting in Northwest Florida. That's Thursday at 9 a.m. on the Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3. Hi, this is Earl Ron. At New South Window, we bring the factory to you. Our windows and doors are made with quality in mind, and your products and installation are backed by our lifetime warranty. That's because New South Window knows the importance of single source accountability. We believe in removing the middleman so you get more for your money. This is real factory direct. One company, one call, guaranteed for life. Get New South Proud. For a limited time only, when you buy more, you can save more. Visit NewSouthWindow.com to learn more. Parents usually know if their children will argue over their inheritance, but this can be prevented. I'm Wesley Odom with Armada Advisors. No one wants to see their wealth wasted away because of poor planning. I've assisted several clients with estate planning ideas and sometimes have served as trustee or executor upon their death. Give me a call at 497-6167. Armada Advisors is charting a better course. Are you a fan of all things Florida? Then the Fresh from Florida Club should be on your menu. Search and save your favorite recipes, create custom menus, and get all your cooking questions answered by me, Florida's culinary ambassador, Chef Justin, for free. It's easy to sign up, and best of all, you'll be supporting Florida's farmers, ranchers, and fishermen. Join today at FreshFromFlorida.com. A message from the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Wrap up your day with all of the national, state, local sports and entertainment news with Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin on News Radio 92.3. No, Kelly Clarkson! Was the uh, that was the Van Halen you didn't know you needed this morning? Five fifty-five here on News Radio ninety-two-three, informative, local, dependable. Look, I know some of you all are you know loyal David Lee Roth fans. I'm just telling you, fifty-one uh, fifty and OU eight one two are great albums. I mean, they genuinely are great albums. Van Hagar, it, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Now after that, I don't we don't talk about it after that. Um, got a couple of good texts in here. Somebody says if we're changing the age on anything, I think it should be the voting age. I taught high school for five years. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> Most 18-year-olds are idealistic and have no idea how their votes would realistically impact people. If you've never had a job and your mom still does your laundry, you have no business voting in state or federal elections. <laughs> Even if you're 35. Um, <laughs> no, so I'll just tell you, um, I have long been a fan of... You're going to hate me for saying it, but I don't care. I've long been a fan of a competency test for voting. It can be pretty minimal, but I think you ought to have to pass at least the citizenship test. And if you can't pass a citizenship test, you shouldn't be voting. And I mean, you know, simple questions. You ought to be able to identify a Supreme Court justice. (laughs) You you know, you, you ought to know how many years a senator serves. You know, 
I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated, but I would love to weed some people out of this process because they shouldn't all be voting. Um, but by the way, I also believe that a 14-year-old should be allowed to vote if they can pass the test and are motivated. I'm very sympathetic to the West Wing argument from years ago that the kids kids have, I mean, it's funny. You know, an 80-year-old's vote really shouldn't count for much because how many years they got to suffer the consequence of the vote? How many years has a 15-year-old got to suffer the consequences of your vote? I mean, in terms of, like, stakeholder equity, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, somebody else says, uh, I'm so sick of this conversation about guns. Distracted drivers and people on cell phones kill far more people every day than people with guns killing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's the point. Four, three, seven, sixteen, twenty. but we're not consistent on these things at all. I mean, so inconsistent. Uh, Steve Taylor's in the newsroom sitting in for uh, David all this uh, this week and next week, as David is a new dad. Congratulations, David. Yes, uh, congratulations. Steve, what's going on in the newsroom, sir? Well, it looks like Boeing's taking a second look at 50 undelivered 737 MAX jets to fix uh, some problems. You see, some of the planes are found to have misdrilled holes on their fuselages. Oh, my God. Yeah. Stop it. Window seats are not <laughs> very popular stop. anymore on those planes. Well, we, we were using the template that said 727. Yeah, wrong plane. The company said over the weekend the delay will affect the production schedule, but it'll improve overall quality and stability. How yeah. could it make it worse? Go yeah, on. right. Well, also, President Joe Biden's victorious in the first Democratic presidential primary in the nation. Polls closed to South Carolina Saturday night, and Joe Biden saw an overwhelming victory over Congressman Dean Phillips and author Marianne Williamson. The Republican presidential primary in South Carolina is happening on February 24th. And authorities say more than two dozen bundles of cocaine washed up on a beach along Texas's South Padre Island earlier this week. Park Rangers found the bundles, reported the discovery to federal agents. It was wrapped in plastic, and the estimated value of the drugs is more than $2 million. So if you found a pile of cocaine in bags on the, on the beach, what do you do? Uh, you call law enforcement. Although- I would be like, okay. I'm calling you and leaving. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Real not, quick. Not only do I not want to touch it, I don't want prints on it. I don't want to be connected to it. I don't want to be found here by somebody looking for it. I don't want anything to do with this. You guys go. <laughs> so <laughs> other people are like, oh, yeah, where was it found? Brother, you don't want that kind of trouble. I'll just tell you that right now. Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.